Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Dr. Pat. Thank you for tuning us in and turning us on. I want to thank all of you as we round out this year. I want to thank all of you in celebration of you, because without all of you, the best listeners on the planet, this would not be us rounding up our 14th year. It wouldn't be. And we're here because of people like my guests, both of them today, But in Benny, of course, all of the networks that we're on, all of our own networks, TransformationRadio.fm and Transformation Talk Radio, the Dr. Pacho Network, and all of the affiliates out there, without all of the listeners on all of those places, we would not be here today. So for us, as we round out this year, And we move in to what I believe is going to be one of the most extraordinary years. Even though you may be thinking, what is this girl smoking right now? What is she talking about? Why is it going to be extraordinary? Well, I'm going to leave that up to my guests today. Uh, Eben Alexander and Karen Newell is joining me here today. Dr. Alexander, as I like to say. But most importantly, you know, what is it? that they have learned? What has he learned since this idea first came to being proof of heaven? But more importantly, what is it that we are here to now learn and understand? Let's start out with their fabulous book, Living in a Mindful Universe, a neurosurgeon's journal into the heart of consciousness. And why is that something that I so relate to? Well, let me just tell you a little bit about them first. You know, I got to meet them, you know, not too long ago. It seems like a long time, but I think Dr. Alexander and Karen, they're just cranking these books out. Thank goodness for them. Uh, I'm still waiting to write my book. But here we are, decades as a physician, a teacher, you know, Harvard Medical School, all, all of the above. Here is someone that, in my opinion, this is just me now, had the courage to step out and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've got another message. I want to talk about my experience in life, my experience in death, my experience, and bring a message to the forefront. Now, following up that original book, 
We're now talking about what it means to live, and the title of the book, Living in a Mindful Universe. Now, why is this really something that is a go-to message as we move into next year? Because one of the things that I hope we talk about today is that we have a choice point about things. Karen Newell also is co-founder of Sacred Acoustics, innovator of the emerging field of brainwave uh, entrainment. And boy, I got to talk to her about a few things here today. But the point is this. Are we willing to step in to a new, just new, just keep, leave that word there, a new, Maybe it's a new way of thinking. Maybe it's a new way of understanding the universe. Maybe it's a new dot, 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 fill it out. Um, Wow. Thank you both. Welcome to the show today. It's great to have both of you here. Karen, what a great surprise. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It really is a joy to be here today. Now, I got to ask a question. I know we're going to talk about the book. And again, a phenomenal book. Thank you. Um, I hate to have to jump to pages in the book, but I, but I want to start with this. There is an energy that a lot of folks are feeling right about now. It's an energy. I don't think it's like the energy you think I'm talking about. I, I hear people say, Pat, it's really an expansive, a newness, a something energy. Here's my question for each of you, Dr. Alexander, starting with you first. What is it about all of the challenges and obstacles that you've overcome to bring you right to this moment now, which can talk to a new energy for the future you want to create? Well, I would say that uh, it's very clear for me personally, having been through what I've been through in the last nine years, ever since my near-death experience, Mm -hmm. excuse me, that this really is an extraordinary new energy, and it really comes from a shift of worldviews, and I would say a kind of a resonance of understanding, a commonality of understanding that is coming to many people. Uh, and, of course, there are those along the spiritual pathway, people like Karen, um, who realize that at some level this kind of energy and knowing and resonance has been with us for thousands of years. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I would say as a scientist who went through a profound NDE that I could not explain with my previous uh, kind of scientific understanding, uh, that it seems like a tremendous awakening and all extremely new. But in many ways, this is a coming together of science and spirituality uh, that I would say is part of human destiny over millennia. Um, And yet in many ways, it's uh, kind of a refreshing new way to look at wisdom that has been around for a very long time. So I hate making the claim that this is all brand new when, in fact, many spiritual seekers, I think, have mm-hmm. sensed this energy and resonance for a very long time. Well, what I think is new is that someone like Dr. Alexander, a mainstream Harvard neurosurgeon, part of a very established medical society, has uh, come around to this way of thinking, and that is just that we have much much more power over our lives than we could possibly imagine. We are taught by materialist science, which is kind of the mainstream way of looking at the world, that we're nothing but a product of neurons and hormones and stuff going on in our brain, including all of our emotions and reactions to things. 
when in reality, our consciousness is fundamental. Our consciousness rules those hormones and neurons. And that what that means is incredibly empowering to all of us as individuals. It means that we have the direct ability to manage our unfolding reality simply by holding our attention in certain ways and realizing that all of our hardships and difficulties, which seem to be circumstances surrounding us that we have no control over, are actually a product of what we want to experience. We actually choose the different kinds of hardships and difficulties in our lives and Understanding that we can manage all of this is incredibly new in our mainstream society and a new worldview that is certainly welcome to many of us who already, as Evan said, have understood this, but have been so frustrated in the mainstream world as people look at people who think like that sometimes as kind of off the wall. And actually, we're really probably closer to truth and reality than many of those mainstream scientists. Yeah. Boy, I'm really having fun already today with both of you. Um, you know, I, I I can't help but talk about uh, another individual that I got to work with for an entire year and who came out of the gate kind of like you, Dr. Alexander. And, you know, what he said was, listen, you know, yeah, uh, that's me. You know, I am this neurosurgeon or neurologist. I am in that field. I am that. And guess what? I want to talk about the direction that we can go by going within. And of course, that's what you both have in, in, in common in a lot of ways is to say, yes, we're renowned in the field, just as you said, Karen, so beautifully, Right renowned in the field that you're in. And wait a minute, there's more to it that you're going to share. I want to ask you both, what do you think the challenges are for, I, I don't like to globalize, but I'm going to do it now, for us as a species, our society, what are the challenges for us that block us from going within? Well, I would say the, uh, some of the biggest challenge uh, is a false sense of separation. Uh, and this is something that I would say came from 400 years of the scientific revolution, of uh, the, the rise of uh, scientific materialism, the kind of general idea that the physical world is the only thing that exists, and that we somehow have to explain the origins of consciousness as the epiphenomenon of the uh, you know, atomic, molecular, chemical, and physical reactions going on in the brain. Uh, and in fact, uh, modern neuroscience and philosophy of mind is moving away from that because it doesn't work that way. The brain does not create consciousness. Consciousness actually creates all of emerging reality, beginning with the brain and everything else. But uh, it's an extraordinary shift in worldview, 180 mm -hmm. degrees opposite. Mm -hmm. And yet it's the thing that makes sense. To me, it's, it's kind of interesting that our materialist kind of Newtonian deterministic thinking that arose out of the first three centuries of the scientific revolution has lasted so long into the quantum era, because in fact, quantum physics for almost a century now has been trying to tell us in no uncertain terms that consciousness is fundamental, that it is what creates the rest of the universe. And this, of course, is the a position that we give uh, in living in a mindful universe is how this is really a scientific revolution. It's about the 
wedding of science and spirituality, because neither one can move forward without the other. Well, and in terms of challenges, what Evan's talking about, that worldview mm-hmm. is our biggest challenge. Really, to think that going within is not really useful, except for maybe relaxing or something, when actually going within is the most important thing we can do. If consciousness is fundamental, it behooves all of us. It's actually an imperative, I would say, for each of us to get to know our inner self. And in terms of challenges, specific challenges, very often it's those racing thoughts that get in the way that seem to constantly be going on. And when we first maybe start to try to meditate, it can be very distracting. And we think, oh, it's just impossible to settle those thoughts. Another challenge is the belief that it's not important, that it's really not something we should be paying attention to, again, pointing to that worldview. And when we can flip it and realize that belief that we really are much, much more than what our five physical senses can get a hold of, if we really know that, we can surmount that challenge of denial. And so those racing thoughts are probably the biggest challenge to the Western mind, and there's many, many tools that can be used to kind of overcome that. Yeah. So I want to talk, uh, and as a matter of fact, we're going to just skip this break because uh, there's so much that I want to explore with you today. Um, Spiritual health, spiritual well-being. I was on a a call this morning. I I mentor uh, women. I mentor women uh, in the field of addiction, recovery, and and, um, uh, homelessness, how, how to create a new life. Why do I do that? Because for the first part, you know, um, my mother uh, committed suicide when I was six and I was homeless at 17. So my passion and purpose is to really look at how I might give back because I'm not homeless today. But the question is, and this is a conversation this morning, spiritual health. I actually call it my, you know, spiritually fit. The point is, is it important and how so? Can we start with Dr. Alexander and then Karen? I'd love for you to chime in. Yes. Well, I, I would say that pretty much everything that I ever talk about and everything mm-hmm. in the book Living in a Mindful Universe and in my previous yeah. books uh, is about healing, about becoming whole, uh, becoming more complete, becoming who we were meant to be. That's what health is really all about. Uh, and certainly as a doctor, uh, as a neurosurgeon, I came to realize uh, after my coma journey, it was very clear to me that any physical, mental, or emotional health is only going to be firmly grounded in real spiritual health. And when I say mm-hmm. spiritual there, I'm not necessarily talking about religion, although right. there's no question that prayer and meditation and religion right. that preaches oneness and love can certainly help us get to that level. But here I'm just using the word spirituality to mean a sense of connection with others, connection that are, we are really sharing the dream of the one mind, of that God consciousness. We're all really part of that, that one essence of consciousness co-creating this universe, and also a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. And I think, for me, spirituality really just incorporates those two major concepts of, of purpose and meaning, but also of connection. And this is where I think it is so important for people to realize that the hardships and difficulties in life, uh, as Karen alluded to a minute ago, these are the gifts. These are what allow us to grow. And it's how we deal with those hardships and challenges 
that defines basically our ascendance and our growth as souls. And of course, that's never something done in isolation. We're all in this together. We're all here to learn and teach in this evolution of consciousness and this growth that we accomplish uh, through facing those apparent, you know, darkness and uh, any apparent evil in this world. Uh, those are really the opportunities for tremendous growth of our souls. And one way you can really start to find out what is your kind of spiritual connection to all of this is uh, by looking at your emotions. Now, that's another thing that mainstream scientists say is a product of something, you know, in our, in our brain and something that very often we're, not, we're taught to repress or suppress our emotions. To not be emotional is considered a, uh, a, a good trait. When, in fact, those emotions are actually our clues to maybe what our spiritual lessons really are. Anytime we have an emotional reaction, we often blame what's outside of ourselves. But if we can look within, as we were saying, going within is so imperative. If we Mm -hmm. can go within and realize what is triggering that emotion in me, many of us are triggered by completely different things. Why is that the case? Well, it's because we're all unique individuals. And by taking a look at those emotions and what's triggering them, it can be very useful to uncovering what maybe is holding us back from achieving that real spiritual health because we're so focused on fixing everything around us. But if we can fix the lack inside, often addiction can be a very good clue that there's a spiritual hole that needs to be filled. Mm -hmm. And this is a beautiful way is to start paying attention to those emotions and what is triggering them from within. But that can be hard to do when you're in the middle of it. It can be useful to establish that practice of going within, getting to know that observer within. That's the neutral part of you that notices the thoughts that are going on in your mind. And when you can achieve that state, those emotions start to have much more meaning and you can start to really work through them. There's no way out but through, we often say, and that Mm -hmm. really means tackling those emotional um, reactions. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Alexander Karen, and I want to get to this question with you as well. How did writing this book change you? Well, I would say that um, the change was a process that we were deeply in together. We knew Mm -hmm. we'd been given, uh, Karen and I had been giving presentations and uh, what we call meditation play shops around the world, and we knew there was so much more to the message we were trying to deliver that was really coming out in all of our presentations. But it was something that was not at all reflected in the earlier books, in Proof of Heaven and the Map of Heaven. I would say right. Proof of Heaven was really just a question mark. You know, it's just what happens when you put somebody with a scientific mindset through a profound, uh, you know, extraordinary, life-changing spiritual experience, like an NDE. Now, there are millions and millions of people on this planet who've had experiences like mine. So my experience is not unique at all. Um, But for a scientist, I had to come to a deeper explanation of it. And, of Mm -hmm. course, I studied thousands of NDEs, and I've met thousands of NDEers uh, and other people who've been through spiritual transformations in my journey. And every bit of that, every bit of those contacts and conversations, and people sharing with me things that they said they'd never shared with anybody in their life, uh, that is all part of this growth. Uh, this is about acknowledging a, a, an aspect of humanity that in many ways has been kind of uh, discounted and shoved under the rug by our culture that is predominantly following the lead of materialist science. 
And yet materialist science has hit an absolute dead end when it comes to anything about brain, mind, and consciousness. Well, I would say that in the process of writing this book, the biggest change for me was really the idea of marrying that science and spirituality. For me, I guess you've probably figured out, Eben's the scientist and I'm the spiritual one, but <laughs> I, uh, I never really found too many answers of what I was you know, asking for in science. I wanted to know, you know, why are we here? What is our purpose? And science didn't really have those answers. And in the process of writing this book, of course, Eben was incredibly interested in putting a scientific framework around all of the spiritual concepts that I knew so well. And so it was very important for me to really understand the importance of that science, because science really does drive our society, it drives our social policies, and if science is holding us back, that is a very important thing to address. And so the biggest change for me was really recognizing the importance of that and I also uh, struggled with uh, getting that science to be palatable to the layperson, yet uh, still hardcore enough for those real scientific minds. And that was our biggest challenge, I think, in putting all this together. You know, I I want to tell everybody, for those of you just tuning in, I'm really honored to be speaking with Dr. Evan Alexander and, of course, Karen Newell. Uh, I want to make sure that folks go to the website because if you're like me and you you read a book like this, which I have, um, you really want more of it. There's something that you want to learn, you're longing to learn. And if you go to the website, ebenalexander.com, and that's E-B as in boy, E-N, alexander.com, that's one place to go. Uh, when you get there, what you're going to find, of course, is a way for you to buy a copy of the book. But click on the thing that says your 33-day journey into the heart of consciousness. Just go ahead and do that and see what happens. Um, the question really uh, is one of many questions I have for both of you today is the old ways, at least let me just speak for myself, the old ways, meaning the ways I grew up with, the the principles, the philosophies, and let's just say the rules, they started not to work for me. And so this new level of awareness and connection and exploration is what coming down with a really bad chronic illness pointed me in the direction of. So I want to ask you this question. How does pain slash suffering slash illness help us on a way to get to the heart of consciousness or not? Well, I think uh, what they do really is they give us a challenge. Um, And that challenge is one that we we need to address. So we often have to make a choice in how we deal with uh, such um, illness, injury, whatever the hurdle may be. And I think that's where we can really start to grow. Uh, it's it because it forces us that kind of discomfort of the of the pain or suffering or the awkward situation or relationship or whatever it is. It's kind of pushing us off center. Uh, is forcing us to address things within ourselves because every time we have a challenge like that, we respond based on kind of our current state, and that's why it can be such an opportunity for growth. So that recovering. Uh, kind of a sense of trust in the universe, 
uh, a sense that uh, a notion that all is well, that we will be taken care of, which for me was such a beautiful lesson of my journey, and that I, I've come to apply uh, you know, hundreds of times in my life in the nine years since coma. But it really has to do with that trust, recovery of sense of connection and love that the universe will take care of us. And we're always trying to affirm that or test it. And, and what I've found is that the universe does not let me down in terms of that ability uh, to trust that I will be taken care of, which was that, that beautiful lesson early on. And these hardships are really the way we grow through it. Uh, I mean, to this day, I find uh, myself, you know, as a human being, kind of challenged by various relationships and things. Uh, but what I find is that with this trust and this knowing that there is always a win-win situation, uh, that it's always in the interest of the higher good, these are the lessons where I can manifest that love and compassion, forgiveness, acceptance and mercy for others that helps me to grow as an individual soul. And I would add that, uh, you know, often we say if, if we were all out on yachts sipping champagne and looking at our diamond bracelets, we maybe aren't really being fulfilled in a true inner fashion. Mm -hmm. And it really is those hardships, the deaths, the suicides, the, the you know, uh, all kinds of things that can happen, uh, pain, disease, those are the things that ultimately teach us such important lessons. And it really speaks to why experience, personal firsthand experience is so critical for us to fully embrace. And, you know, where you, oh, many of us are just used to reading in books about ideas and this and that. And it really comes down to what have we experienced in our lives in order for us to understand concepts in a full way. And Having hardships is the front line of all of that. And so we, we like to tell people to embrace those hardships as opportunities and look for those lessons. That can get a little old after a while if you have one hardship mm -hmm. after another, asking yourself, well, what's the lesson? But it really <laughs> is important to uh, address that at some point in the middle of that hardship. Mm. Uh, you know, there is so much that you both have shared in the book. Uh, I want to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to talk about, you know, the freedom of choice, the freedom of choice. So often in life, there are things that come up. And our first answer is, I really didn't have a choice in that. Uh, but if you've ever read anything by Dr. Alexander or by Viktor Frankl, you probably might come up with a different explanation. In this book, Living in a Mindful Universe, the exploration of the freedom of choice is pivotal. Stay tuned. We have a short break. When we come back, let's talk about freedom, freedom, freedom. Is it mine? Is it yours? Is it all of ours? We'll be right back. Back to life, back to reality, back to life, back to reality. If your 
you're dealing with fear and anxiety, you've probably noticed that the more you fight these emotions, the stronger they seem to get. Dr. Friedemann Schaub, the author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, explains that instead of suppressing, we need to identify and resolve the deeper, subconscious root causes of fear and anxiety. His personal breakthrough program has helped thousands worldwide to overcome their emotional challenges. To learn more, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com and schedule your free consultation with Dr. Schaub now. Your happiness is your choice on Natural Peace Radio. Follow Sarah Van Ryswick as she addresses the power of emotions. Each month, Sarah covers different topics as she helps listeners activate their energetic spark and create powerful energy and amazing opportunities. Manifest your desires with Natural Peace Radio. For more information on Sarah and her work, visit naturalpeaceliving.com. To see your life from an angel's perspective, book a personal consultation with Claire Candy Hoff, Angelic Walk-In Angel Ariel at Angel Healing House. Candy provides intuitive counseling, Reiki, and angel readings in person in Los Angeles or nationally and internationally via phone or Skype. She will channel the practical tools you need to transform your life. Call now, 831-277-3716 or visit angelhealinghouse.com. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit JenRoyster.com for more information. Hey, did you know why they call the foundation the foundation? It's called the foundation because it completely eliminates your foundation for what you thought your reality was and creates a whole new space where you can have an entirely new reality that is foundationless. So from my point of view, they should call it the unfoundation or the foundationlessness. Either way, there's a big new global rewrite happening again because these guys cannot stop changing. There should be like a change anonymous that Gary and Dane go to. And it's happening April 28th to May 1st. You can find out about it at accessconsciousness.com forward slash global foundation. It's happening in Paris. Go to Paris or do it online or find a pod near you. These are all the options you have. And what else is possible? everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, you know, I'm so thrilled uh, today to be sharing uh, a, a little bit from the book, Living in a Mindful Universe, a neurosurgeon's journey into the heart of consciousness. And of course, this is by Dr. Evan Alexander and Karen Newell. And they're both joining me here today. And Benny, as a matter of fact, I'd love to be able to give a copy of the book away. Let's, let's, uh, Go for one right now, and then maybe we'll get to another one. And uh, first caller, 1-800-930-2819, 1-800-930-2819. Love to give you a copy of the book. Uh, 
again, what is the best way for folks to find out about each of you? Did I did I send people to the right website? Yes, to uh, for me, uh, ebenalexander.com. That's E B is in Baker, E N Alexander.com. And of course, you beautifully described that 33 day journey, which we like to point people to. But there's also the website sacredacoustics.com, which has some of the audio tools that we create to help mm-hmm. people get to that quiet space within. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, so, a lot going on in the world these days. And uh, some contingency of people are feeling like they don't have choice. They've lost their voice. Um, they don't feel self-empowered. Uh, I'm not saying everyone, but there's sort of a sense of this. Uh, and then open up to the chapter in your book, uh, which is called The Freedom of Choice. And I, I'd just like to read this for a moment. Uh, the, the chapter starts out uh, by a quote from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And it's this, I believe that we are solely responsible for our choices and we have to accept the consequences of every deed, word, and thought throughout our lifetime. That is a very powerful message. And at the same time, the lesson to learn about the freedom of choice is that it's ours to do. This chapter in the book, I I found very interesting to have it in here. I'd like to hear from each of you what this chapter means to you and how it helps people step into that mindful universe. Well, I I would like to just point out kind of the 180-degree shift that has Uh come in my own thinking because before my coma, as, you know, reductive materialist neuroscientist who believe the physical world is all that exists, and that the brain creates consciousness out of physical matter, I followed the conventional scientific party line, which is because of all that, none of us have free will at all. In fact, that conventional science would try and convince you that given that the physical brain is creating consciousness out of purely physical matter, all that's really going on there is you're the witness to an epiphenomenon that's not even real. And that is the effect of all of these uh, molecules and electron fluxes and the neurons of the brain following laws of chemistry, physics, and biology that give you an illusion of consciousness. And that's how far off base our conventional science is. Because after my coma, I came to realize that the entire universe exists for the purpose of allowing sentient beings to manifest their free will. Every bit of what is going on around us is a result of the choices we make in, in responding to the challenges, the hardships, the, the beautiful aspects, every bit of our lives, and making the choices and how we deal with those. And choices, uh, certainly in our uh, interpersonal relationships, uh, often can be reduced down to very simply a choice out of love or a choice out of fear. And I came to realize, of course, as I described in Proof of Heaven, that the binding force of this universe is one of love. So to me, it's clear that the best choices are those that are made out of manifesting that uh, unconditional love for self and for others, Um, and that this is really uh, about the choice points we make. And the more we can all, as human beings, make choices out of love, compassion, forgiveness, acceptance, and mercy, the more this world will actually move towards that divine state of oneness with, uh, with that creative source of pure love. 
So uh, the question of free will is right at the crux of everything we're talking about. One of the things, though, that you were saying is all of the people who feel disempowered, and it can Mm -hmm. be very overwhelming to watch the mess in our world and feel like we have no say in it. And it does seem like that. And, of course, we've been taught that there is no meaning and purpose to our lives, that we're just, you know, random creations that, you know, aren't really uh, meaningful. And, in fact, every choice we make has meaning and purpose. And every choice we make, even if it's turned left or right, has an underlying intention. But we're used to not noticing what that is. We're used to just kind of running on... I'll just say a program, a program of behavior. And if we can take a step back and really take a look, what is the intention underlying every choice I make, whether it's what gift to buy someone for the holidays or not to buy a gift at all, every little choice, why are we making that choice? It's a beautiful exercise in understanding what our underlying intentions are. And the more aware we can become, the more we realize how much our choices matter. And every choice is something we can decide for ourselves. Free will is absolutely real. I used to have conversations with people about the philosophies of Daniel Dennett and that everything was a computer program, that it was all just there laid out. And that is really interesting to me because if it's a computer program that's all laid out, someone must have written it. And if you think about the fact that we're all one mind, all connected as one, we wrote it, and we continue to write it every day with each choice we make. So paying attention to your daily choices and how the world reacts around you as you make those choices is really another one of those imperative exercises each of us should really engage in. Well, I I want to ask you both uh, uh, about something else in this chapter. And I have to say, it's really, I think, one of the more powerful chapters that I've read in a long time, because you get right to the issues and give beautiful examples. But one of the things you talk about is you talk about the work of uh, Dr. Deaton, and you talk about the idea that, you know, look, the death rate among middle-aged white Americans rising steadily, and you give an example of why. But then there's a term that you use uh, in the book, and it is desolation of spiritual emptiness. Desolation of spiritual emptiness. Um, And I want to talk about that for a minute because Um, I do believe it's related to what we're seeing and suicides and overdoses. And then within that chapter, you also cite the serenity prayer. Desolation of spiritual emptiness is a powerful phrase, but I'm not sure we all understand what it is. Yet, I think all of us at some level can relate to it. Can we talk about that for a minute and how you see this Uh, manifesting in our society. Right. Well, I would say one important phrase is the gift of desperation. Mm. Um, I had my own personal uh, uh, struggle uh, with alcohol. I stopped drinking back in uh, 1991. And uh, I came to recognize the power of that kind of program and and, and realized that, in fact, Mm -hmm. I had been given a beautiful gift in my life, not the gift of recovery from alcohol, but the gift that I had that problem in the first place. 
uh, because that is one of those hardships that kind of forced me uh, to reckon with myself and, and to grow in certain ways. And I, I learned of that phrase, the, the uh, gift of desperation. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are many in your listening audience who know exactly what that means. Yeah. But it is yeah. truly a gift, this kind of desperation. The sad thing, of course, about alcoholism and drug addiction is that often the demands of our ego are so excessive uh, that they drive us to a point where it's incompatible with life. So, in other words, we die before we reach a bottom that is strong enough for us to bounce off and, and start treating ourselves with the kind of uh, respect and, and all that we should be doing from the, in the first place. But that's what this kind of gift is all about. And the point that we were trying to make in that book is mm-hmm. uh, we were feeling that much of the, the modern world, the angst in our society uh, here in the U.S. and the Western world, et cetera, is uh, about this sense of disconnection, of being separate. Uh, and, and one of the deepest lessons of the book and of our teachings and of our life uh, is really that that is false. Any sense of disconnection and of separate separation from the world is false. And in in fact, it's about growing that relationship and coming to develop that knowing of how we're all interconnected and, and every thought and action we make has tremendous purpose that leads to uh, the kind of growth we can anticipate. And I would add that, uh, especially in our Western world, we're really taught that if we're depressed, if we're feeling anxious, the solution is a pill, is yeah. to just Go get a prescription from your doctor. But what we're doing, and, and I'm not going to dissuade, you know, people who, there are situations where those pills are absolutely imperative, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm not, I, I can't diagnose every person. But yeah. in that chapter you're talking about, I talk about my own daughter who was, uh, you know, uh, actually abusing those kinds of pharmaceutical drugs. Her and her friends could get a hold of them very easily from their parents' medicine cabinets or relatives or where they were babysitting, and they would trade them amongst themselves. And she, my daughter, did have some issues with anxiety, depression, and she wanted to have her own pharmaceuticals. And I refused to let her have them because she was abusing them. And I even, you know, doctors would tell me, You're, you really need to let your daughters have these. And I stood up against them and I said, no, you don't know your daughter, my daughter, from, you know, a 30-minute appointment. I don't think she needs these pills. And Miracle of all miracles, around age 18, after she graduated from high school, she actually thanked me for not letting her have more of them because she saw Mm -hmm. how her friends had abused them so badly. And, uh, you know, it's really important that we start to look at the underlying causes of these chemical imbalances in our bodies. The chemical imbalances may not necessarily be the cause, but it's our emotional state that causes the imbalance. So, the underlying spiritual health, again, of each of us is really the key to understanding all of this and uh, finding out how to address your issues with behavior, with making changes in your life are really going to add to any pharmaceuticals that get offered. You know, I want to take a short break when we come back. You know, we're looking at, given the state that we just talked about, What is the way up? What is the way to move beyond whatever it is you might be thinking right now? And how does, for those of you listening, how does this 
beautiful, beautiful uh, invitation, this invitation to thrive in the heart of consciousness. How can you have more of that in your life? We're going to take a short break. By the way, how about another copy of the book? 1-800-930-2819. We will be right back. Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasik has a special gift for everyone out there. To receive three chapters of the Knowledge Book as a special gift, send your email to mmjp99 at gmail.com. That's Amazon Mary, Amazon Mary, JP99 at gmail.com now to receive this fabulous, fabulous gift of the Knowledge Book. Choose the new earth on the Cornelia Stephanie show. Tune in each week on Transformation Talk Radio as Cornelia takes listeners on an odyssey of higher consciousness to inspire, educate, and empower. Cornelia guides people on the path of self-healing, peace, and liberation. The Cornelia Stephanie show is your catalyst for anchoring heaven on earth on a global scale. For more information, go to corneliastephanie.com. Powerful insight and practical tools to support you on your spiritual journey. Access your higher self and tune in every second and fourth Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific to A Life Untethered with Andrew Martin and now co-host Jeremy Nudell. Walking the path of freedom. Andrew is a highly attuned intuitive oracle, energy worker, spiritual teacher, and international radio host. For more about Andrew and his services, visit andrewmartin.energy. What is a brilliant culture, and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat, joined here by Dr. Nusheen Darvish. Dr. Pat Basili and Dr. Nusheen Darvish will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. I'm so excited to be talking about this. We have so much to share. Dr. Darvish and I are planning to do is connect the dots. People suffering with all sorts of chronic diseases, it's time. It is time for them to transform. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio and help keep our mission strong. For the loyal listeners out there that have been listening to this incredible show on Lyme disease, we are not going to let you down. We're going to come through stronger and enrich the platform for Lyme disease awareness through Lyme Talk Radio. The message will continue. The conversations will become stronger and the healing epic.
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. And please, as I said before, you know, you can find out more about uh, the book and about, you know, joining the journey, the 33-day journey. Go to ebenalexander.com, E-B-E-N-Alexander.com. But the other thing I think is really, really cool is to go to sacredacoustics.com. And what you're going to do is like, there are ways there. If you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, I don't know how to do it. I, I don't know. I can't, I've never been able to do it. Well, look, there is something here for everyone. As Karen says here, engage your infinite mind. Um, thank you both for joining me here today. Uh, I, I wanted to, you know, save this for the last segment, albeit, you know, a short segment here. Thriving in the heart of consciousness my gosh, who doesn't want that, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what uh, we certainly have come to realize. I've uh, come to use this kind of meditative technique uh, on a daily basis, uh, really for the last seven years plus. Um, mm. Because going within mind, once you realize the physical brain is not the creator of mind, and your sense of, of self is really in many ways kind of an illusion because we are all sharing of uh, that one mind, that co-creative uh, uh, force of creation in this universe, uh, that's our, uh, the very spark of our conscious awareness. And, and then, by meditation, we can go within and start developing that relationship in a far more powerful way to manifest the world of our dreams. And that's where I think this is all so crucial. I mean, placebo effect in medicine is something that's been very well demonstrated. It's getting stronger and stronger all the time. It's a perfect example of mind over matter, uh, and yet placebo effect is only the beginning, and our, our physical health of the individual is only the beginning, because we all have tremendous power to influence all of our emerging reality, and the, the way to begin that is by going within and starting a practice of centering prayer or deep meditation to really help to manifest that world of our highest dreams. And one method of going within is absolutely focusing on that heart. The heart of consciousness is right there in every one of our chests, right there. And interestingly, so many of us are, think the brain is in charge, but there's an organization in California called HeartMath Institute. They've been studying yeah. the heart for a couple decades now, and what they've learned is the heart actually sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. But the heart doesn't have a linguistic center. It doesn't have language. So we think it's not in charge. Interestingly, HeartMath also tells us that it's our emotional state that affects the energetic field of our heart. That energetic field is in the tape of, shape of a torus. It comes out the top of our heads, around us, back into the bottom of our spine, kind of like a donut with our heart in the middle. And it moves constantly. And they found that it actually affects the people around us. And when I heard about this, I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't want my heart to affect other people in any kind of non-beneficial way. And the way we can prevent that is by always holding a sense of gratitude, trust, and allowing inside of our hearts, not just the meaning of those words, the literal meaning, but the feeling of those words. And when we can start to really focus on that kind of energy in our hearts, we are affecting not only our own body, but we're affecting all of the people around us in very, very beneficial ways. And this can easily be done by just imagining that your breath is moving in and out of your heart. It's just a mental technique and then focusing on that feeling. 
This is how we begin the path of thriving in the heart of consciousness. You know, I, I want to ask you, I know we've got a few minutes left here. I want to ask you, each of you, I want to, I want to know your vision. I know that you're talking to so many people about this book, and I know writing a book is a, is a, a, a journey of love as well as a labor of love. Um, but the future, the vision, um, what is in your, your mind's eye or rather in your heart as you look ahead for the messages that each of you want to bring into the world? Dr. Alexander, first, yes, well, and then Karen. I would, I would say that um, it's very clear to me that we are on the verge of an awakening in humanity that I would say has been uh, kind of written in our destiny uh, over the last uh, you know, 5,000 years or so. We're really talking about a major revolution in human thought. And it has everything to do with put, putting consciousness and the power of our free will right back at the core of everything that is uh, responsible for generating emergent reality. Uh, and this is a, a beautiful gift. Now, of course, some people, when they hear this kind of optimism, they point at all the wrongs in this world and ongoing mm-hmm. conflicts and, and, and violence and uh, some of the insanity in the political arenas, etc., uh, mm-hmm. And they say, how can you possibly be optimistic about this? But one thing that's become clear to me is that when you have a major paradigm shift in the work, uh, that you have a rise of kind of threatened fundamentalism. Uh, mm-hmm. And in some sense, they know at a deep level that their existence is on the chopping block and they're getting ready to go out. And so the fundamentalists have a way of kind of rising up and recoiling against this uh, impending change. Uh, but every bit of that is a natural part of the revolution. And uh, I often say that I believe within uh, a decade or so that no self-respecting, scientific, intelligent, well-read person on this planet will doubt the reality of the afterlife, of reincarnation. Uh, these are all things with such a strong uh, scientific basis behind them when you get to scientists who actually study the data as opposed to just saying it's impossible. Uh, that it's inevitable that we are going to wake up to this. And that will lead to a far kinder and gentler world because we will come to realize we are truly responsible for our choices. And the more we can make those choices out of showing love for ourselves by loving others, show unconditional love with compassion and mercy and forgiveness as part of our, our dominant theme, realizing that death of the physical body is not the end of connections with our our loved ones, and that we're in many incarnations in this process of ascending towards oneness with the divine, this world will change dramatically. So I am very optimistic about our future um, and and love talking with Mm. other people about that. Yeah, I often say Eben holds this vision himself so clearly. He never wavers from this vision that our world is about to truly undertake an incredible revolution in world thought. And he holds that vision very, very strongly. And my part of that vision is to make each and every individual realize they're a part of that, that we are all contributing to our world in various ways. And if we can bring back that meaning and purpose to our individual daily lives, our relationships with people, our connections to our neighbors, to our pets, to our, you know, to Mother Nature, all of that, 
that understanding that each of us plays a critical role. We are not here to be meaningless puppets as victims mm-hmm. of circumstance. And as we each start to come to know this as individuals, then that giant world vision will have no choice but to match what we are all kind of holding within. Yeah. And, you know, thank you so both for uh, both of you for sharing the vision, because I, too, uh, have been called uh, a, an optimist in so many ways. I mean, my nickname is Dr. Positivity. So I, I'm on the same page. You know, I'm right there with you, you know. We're going to be riding a golden flame off into the sunset here. Um, Again, thank you both. Please, I think we have like about 30 seconds left. Website, how can we get a copy of the book? And I hope you will come back. Well, we would love to. And uh, people can go to Evan Alexander. That's E-B as in Baker, E-N-Alexander.com. Encourage people to take that 33-day email course. It's all for free and gives tremendous gifts and helps to bring people on board with all this. And sacredacoustics.com, there's also a free download available there. You can start listening within minutes of this conversation Mm -hmm. and uh, see what you think. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.